0: Hey, I'm Raj, also known as Currency Audio, and I'm Ben's guest this week on Big Fat Five.
1: What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. This week's guest is Rajiv Madela. He's a drum set artist, electronic music composer, DJ, computer programmer, and rudimental percussion instructor based in Brooklyn, New York. Under the name Modella, he has released a host of singles and EPs. His production work spans the genres of experimental drum and bass, future bass, and UK garage, with a focus on live performance elements and wide sonic palettes. The first project I heard from him was Currency Audio, which is an improvisational performance project exploring Jungle, IDM, UK Garage, Dubstep, and other various offshoots. Rajiv holds a degree in Computer Science from NYU, and his career as a software engineer spans nearly two decades. Let's just say he's a go-getter and it was truly an honor to talk to him. Big shout out to Ian Masiac, AKA Ian Hits Drums for introducing Rajiv to me. And yeah, let's learn about the five records that shaped Rajiv Medela into the musician he is today. This is a great one. Cheers. People who don't know who you are, can you describe your setup a little bit? Describe my setup. Um, well, it's completely digital, so I
0: use um, kind of like a hybrid electronic kind of kit that I get kind of put together just by chance, just by what I ended up with over time. But basically, it's a an alternate mode DK10, which is kind of it's actually their budget model. It doesn't have like all like the fancy features of like the cat. You can get it online on eBay for like, I don't even know, 150 bucks even I've seen it for, or maybe wow. 200 bucks. Uh, and I think it's the most incredible uh, multi-pad that's out there. Everyone talks about it, a whole bunch of others. That one, the sensitivity is just like, it feels orchestral. It's incredible. Uh, so that's what I use for the top. And then and that's kind of like my hi-hats and uh, whatever, quote-unquote toms, because I don't actually have toms and stuff. hmm uh, and then I'll use, um, for my snare, I'll use a, a mesh, uh, PD 85, uh, Roland V drum trigger. And I had that. Well, I could tell you the story of how I even ended up with these things. Please do uh, eventually. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, and then a foot pedal, I got like a, what is that? That Roland FT 10, I think it's
1: called the KT 10.
0: Yeah. The KT 10. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's, it's amazing. I really, really, really love, really love that thing. Uh, it's kind of like, feels like the future. Um, and then also the like the standard FD8 for the okay. hi hat foot controller. Yeah. So all of those guys are going into a V drum brain. Uh, the six. What is that guy? I think it's the six V. It's the one that came with like that old uh, V drum kit that first came out. That was kind of consumer level. Yeah, the TD6V, which is like surprisingly deep. It's got a lot of deep settings on there, like all these different curves you can apply and. Uh, cross talk and like millisecond delay timings and all kinds of really that you wouldn't expect from like some beginner kind of module uh yeah so that that thing's amazing and then so they're all going into that and then i'm just sending midi into my computer into ableton and then i'm just triggering everything in the daw
1: yeah um so yeah you were going to say you're going to tell the story of how you got those because that was going to be my follow-up question i mean was this set up because you had to you know you couldn't make sound in a big city or is it for portability or like what's the story behind you actually getting this i mean the story
0: was really i was uh i mean i've been like a deep electronic head jungle head going to drum and bass parties like literally every day like of the week back when they were there were parties that were every day of the week um i was just this huge jungle head and i was kind of at a point where i was like i don't even know if i'm going to be drumming at all i'm just kind of all about this music and whatever maybe producing it you know mm-hmm. um and then i met this guy uh who was a dj at like one of these uh one of the local parties this guy dj wicket um yeah i just became friends with him uh, really cool dude he had ableton i think it was was it ableton one it may have been ableton one <laughs> wow i don't even yeah. know what
1: that looks like
0: yeah it, it, it kind of, it looks pretty much the same minus like all the newer fancier stuff uh like the the plugins and whatever mm-hmm. um yeah, so he just had he just had it, and he was like, "Hey, Roger, I'm, I don't, you know, I'm not going to use, uh, you know, I'm not going to use this thing. Do you want to? I think you could like go nuts on it." And I was like, "Whoa!" And then I just like tried it in his like studio, and I was like, "This is great." And he said, "I sold it to me for like 150 bucks," and that's the only reason I have this thing, which was back in like 2002.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's the only reason I have it. <laughs> so you excel at improvisation uh but you also focus on that with a lot of your work especially with currency audio would you go as far to say that that's where true expression lies ha i mean
0: i mean yeah uh well why do i do improv i mean true i for me it is the the realest it's the most like it's the most real you Mm -hmm. know uh real what does that mean uh (laughs) yeah uh we're getting really deep really quickly (laughs) yeah i mean it's there's a lot yeah there's 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 a lot of deep stuff behind it i mean it came from meditation really it it was basically i I got really deep into meditation uh and then i just realized how like the present was like whoa like the most important thing Mm -hmm. and then thinking about when you sit down and you play on your kit you know and you just start jamming away and sometimes you get really deep right and, and you're like, and at the end of it, it's like, you don't even know who is really playing, you know, was it even like how intentional was all that? You know, it basically, feels like really, really spiritual.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So then at the end of that, and then you're like, whoa, whoa, that's like, so, so special. And then, you know, when you play and it's this completely, it's this headspace of like, right. Being connected to like, you know, this, this cosmic thing to sound all like super hippy dippy. No, I love it. Um, But yeah, you know, and and so when I, and, and say when you go back in time, a lot of songs come from, okay, you were jamming, you had this moment and it was like, wow, this feels like so special. And then you write, you try to do it again, right? And it never, it's, sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's quote unquote better because you refined some part, you made it, but actually does it have the same energy of the first time when you put it down? So it was, it just became like, that is, that's always gonna be like the most sacred thing like that's that's you just got like this view into like like reality like in this raw way which you may never see again you know it, you, you probably won't in its exact form you know um so yeah so as far as like music and like that being like yeah if, if for me if like music should, should be like some representation of like who i am as a person right so when i'm improving you're getting like the most like the inside view into that Really, like how I'm dealing in real time with, like, where where I've come from, what's happening right now, how I'm reacting to what's happening right now, how I'm reacting to like struggles. Like, say there was like a mistake, or some t- you know people can tell sometimes that like there was you know this this problem. That that's part of like the story there. You know, it's it's part of. Oh, and see how this guy, see how this you know. Like the action hero gets out of like this pit of despair, you know, like that kind of movie analogy kind of thing is what I like to kind of use for it.
1: But yeah, you don't have that kind of struggle
0: stuff when it's written, you know, Mm -hmm.
1: it took me the longest time to figure out what to practice. And, and I finally found maybe incorrectly that basically anything that's stopping you from being able to say what you actually want to say on the instrument, that's what you should be practicing. Not just like, oh, I should be practicing a calypso beat or blah, blah, blah. And so, for you, what do you, I mean, t- t- to go from spiritual to just very technical, to t- pull yeah, a 180? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound, I mean, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. Like, you improv a lot, but I don't hear a lot of, <laughs> I don't hear any flubs, if I'm being honest, on a lot of your stuff. So, what, what do you practice that allows you to just free flow through these ideas and make it sound so good? Um, that's a big question. It's like a bunch of
0: parts, right? It's it's kind of like building vocabulary, mm-hmm. right? And then learning to speak. Learning to have a conversation, not really speak, I can make sentences. No, like learning to go back and forth with somebody. Yeah. Which is the idea it, itself, the musical thing you're playing, you're going to going back and forth with it. Um so yeah, it, I guess the, the main thing is like ha- building vocabulary, so practicing um Well, for drum and bass, a lot of like the basics, that kind of like the basic forms, like the uh, like the hard step beat, like that is the backbone of pretty much 90 percent of of D&B like that one. And then your two step beat. Right. And then I'm right. I practice it linearly like I just kind of sang it. And then also practice it non-linear. So then your hands are just doing some kind of ostinato. You could choose, but whatever. Hit those those snare accents. Yeah. Um, learning to just practice uh, uh, that that kick ostinato. That's a huge huge one. The three three two dun 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 just the kick pattern, mm-hmm. uh, and just learning to do all kinds of ostinatos on top of it. And then okay, now I got this vocabulary, and I'm playing some beats, right? Um... And then when I sit down to play, I basically try to just like be mindful in that way. I'm just kind of watching myself play. Right. And then I'm also kind of dealing with like, whatever kind of maybe anxiety that comes up that like, oh, maybe I should do this super cool thing. Mm -hmm. And then learning to figure out what, what is like the natural me want to do, you know, like the guy who doesn't have any real kind of like, kind of dictatorial say in that way. Yeah. and then those kind of things just naturally happen. Right? And then, and, but there's like subtle error, error correction. It's kind of a little bit like, okay, so now I don't want to do that, like the extra crazy hard thing, but let me do this one kind of slightly off thing, you know? Um, and then I'll kind of figure out like, I'm sorry, I'm sounding so deep. And, no, I love but this, it is dude, seriously. Of, <laughs> it sounds very uh, meditative. Cool, it, that's it. I mean, that's really what it is. It's kind of mindfully playing. That's exactly what it is. And so you just like sit down and you just kind of like play with as if like you just really were like zero effort, you know, zero effort. And but you still want to make it like something you want to hear, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm kind of thinking like like I'm making a track because I I, I mean, I spent like a long time just kind of doing production, just like, okay, I'm just going to make D&B tracks. And so just kind of figuring out, like, what what do you want to hear during that process? You know, Uh, so, yeah, it's a it's a big question but uh it's yeah a lot of it from the improv perspective is kind of practicing what's the next thing i want to hear like i did this one gesture or like even linguistically say i just like i said like my my voice went right so i want to explain this thing i'm going to kind of come down like th- right there's kind of some expectation there like mm-hmm. and there's only so few possibilities really sure you know so you kind of like work on that kind of kind of flow state, you know? So yeah, I'm playing, I'm playing and like, oh, this one thing happened, maybe it was a mistake, you know? But like, there's a few things that like you probably, we would all expect to hear, you know, after this thing has happened. So sure. kind of practicing, just channeling that part of like, what's, what's the most simple thing that will like satisfy this, like
1: whatever, this expectation? So you have a degree in computer science from NYU. Do you find, this is like a really out there question. I don't even know if I'll keep this, <laughs> but do you find creativity in software engineering? Is it something that, yeah. Do you find creativity in that? I mean, all, like
0: career-wise, it's very rare because, I mean, there there's always creativity in everything, right? You yeah. gotta, you know, there's no, nothing's truly, truly cookie cutter. Um, and even definitely computer science, you know, Um But like, as far as create, like, wow, like, you know, the, the feeling of making a new track or, you know, playing music with, you know, a bunch of fellow musicians, that level of creativity, you know, like feeling like you just gave birth to something, that kind of thing that kind of only came around since I started like this project, uh, coupled with the, uh, all the visual stuff that I do. Mm -hmm. Like that was the first time I felt like I was kind of using that brain or that hat, in, like, this space of just, like, starting with, like, some creative problem, you know, as opposed to, like, some whatever technical problem, like, I need to you know, make this website so people could submit something or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Like, th- this was the first, say, like, okay, I have this creative problem. Like, okay, I want some visuals that react to me and I want you to kind of see me but, like, not and, you know, all these specific things or I want to be able to hit the drum and, like, I need to be able to, you know, if I lift my hi-hat, like, this will happen. How do I... You know, and then using for the first time, like, really like, wow, oh, I have this computer science brain hat of mine that I could apply here. Yeah. So, yeah, until this project, no. But I I feel like that's, it's really about, yeah, having that problem to solve,
1: Mm -hmm. you know. Hey, y'all. I wanted to, (laughs) I can't say. I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co., It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely. It's loud and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum, and it was it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com, just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful, and he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour, and I didn't keep it and I regretted it ever since then, just cause I was trying to pinch pennies at the time. And I just kept thinking about it. And so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums. So the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, check it out, reach out to me, go to vessel drum co the Instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Sounds great. Bye. Um, all right, so let's just hop into your top five. These are really fun, and it's crazy. Uh, this, this, this first one—you uh, are very dissimilar to the drummer that was on last week, and they were dissimilar to the one that was on the week before. But we've had a lot of drumline stuff in the last few weeks, and the first fifty episodes, there was—it was almost not mentioned at all. So Whoa. maybe it was just from what I've—the drummers that I've been, uh, you know, attracted to the last month or so. But it's—it's it's been uh-huh. really fun because I—I—I I know so little about that world. So it's been oh, really. Wow beneficial for me so this one came out in 93 um it's the star of indiana drum line and it's it's them practicing on it looks like a shore somewhere but let's just play a little bit of it and and then we can talk about it afterwards but yeah here we go those different tuned bass drums sound so cool I mean the
0: sparseness the I mean the excitement wow And what it's not even there's not that many rudiments going on it's not even about that dynamics like crazy absolutely
1: Listen to the whole thing, it's only a minute long. Those rim shots in the quad sound so bad. Ah, I mean, the writing is just top class. Oh, I'll drop this in the show notes because they're also doing a lot of cool visuals as uh, visuals well. Visuals and stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely showmanship involved as well, but. Yeah, talk a little bit about like what why was that on the on the list? So why was that on the list? Um well,
0: well that particular line to talk about is considered one of the greatest snare lines like of all time. A lot of people will reference that line as like, oh, there's there's no one better than Star 93. Like that's that's like the line. Yeah, I think there there's like this one um this one snare drummer uh, Nick Angelis who was uh, one of the first soloists in the blast Broadway show. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh yeah. Yeah. So he was, he was like phenomenal. Yeah. So that was, that was very, that line kind of came from, but why was that pivotal? So I ended up with a, uh, this kind of lot tape. So back in the day, so I, I was in high school from like, what was it? 92 to like 97. Um, so right then, like, so I'm, I'm, you know, marching band, uh, was at my high school, uh which was you know drum corps style and so i had a buddy who went to this other school uh in the city uh this kid uh he, he went to LaGuardia high school hmm. uh, my friend's james gavigan now he's like one of the top conductors in the world it's totally insane so yeah he was he was going to school in the city and i was uh you know in staten island and then I was supposed to be going to school with him, but like my parents like nixed that idea like at the last minute, which was very heartbreaking. Aww. But anyway, I ended up in this high school that had like the most insane percussion program that I ever could have dreamt of. Dreamt of. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, he, he would always tell his buddy, uh, this drummer friend of his in LaGuardia about, oh, you got to meet my friend Raj. He's, you know, drum card, you know about that? It's like, oh yeah, you should, you should show him this tape. So his jazz friend in LaGuardia gave him this drumline tape which was just this kind of like like this kind of I guess uh, I guess it was like kind of like in like this uh, it was like traded around. It was part of like this kind of scene where people are trading drum corps like lot tapes. Uh, so he had this tape that had a whole bunch of drum lines on it. It had cadets '93, cadets '94. Uh, I think it had some Blue Devils clips. It had Madison Scouts clips on it, uh, all from like '93, '94. Uh, so then I got that tape and I was like, How, what is he going to know about, you know, Trump corps Marchman? I'm like, get <laughs> out of here, man. This is the tape. Uh, I had an MP3 of it. I lost that on a hard drive crash. I converted that tape to MP3. Uh, but anyway, so I, that was around like 93, like 94. I guess I was like a, kind of like a sophomore uh, in high school. So, yeah, listening to that tape and particularly Star of Indiana uh, just kind of learning this vocabulary in like this very very kind of like i don't know if the i mean elegance definitely a word for it Mm -hmm. but um yeah this uh, like hyper refined and effective and kind of like kind of showing you like like the power of just a simple roll and like how how it's actually like one of the most exciting things we could ever do you know and like listening to this this like just simply a roll triplet roll and that's Oh my god the entire gamut of like human emotion just like in one <laughs> you know like ridiculous yeah uh so just he, just kind of like feeling that and learning to play that way so now when i'm sitting on the pad i'm just kind of doing just you know isolated roles with like an attack and like waiting and then playing some you know softer taps and you know it kind of taught me how to jam i guess on my pad
1: which i spent a lot of time doing i spent a lot of pad playing yeah it shows yeah it shows. Thanks. <laughs> So is Star of Indiana, is that a, it, that's a, a drum line from a specific school, or what is Star of Indiana? Uh, so Star of Indiana is a, a
0: drum and bugle corps uh, out in Indiana. So they're they're a private organization. Mm. So all these uh, drum and bugle corps, these DCI corps, if you will, uh, DCI stands for uh, Drum Corps International. Uh, so these are all kind of private organizations that have like, sometimes like corporate sponsors, or they'll have like, they'll run fundraisers, like Bingo Night, or, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm uh and kids donate kids basically pay dues to be in it you know wow. so in a, in a way it's kind of like a school you know you're kind of paying tuition uh so i never did dci i did dca which was less of a commitment uh and it was like uh not restricted to any age mm. uh yeah dci you i think it caps at 21 or 22 okay um but yeah it's basically you rehearse every day for the entire summer uh, you sleep on a bus and it's just you live and breathe this show and this music and this crew of, you know, people, your, you know, your, your snare line, your drum line, your core.
1: I mean, that shows as well. Yeah, yeah that's not that's a lot of effort. <laughs> they sound tight. Yeah. But it's also really about just very clear guidelines, very
0: clear definitions of accent heights and placement on the drum, which, um, you know, that that doesn't have to be unique to marching band, mm-hmm. you know. There's no reason for that, uh, but it's 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 kind of like the the foundation of it. Like you aren't going to play that drum unless you have that foundation. Okay, where's yeah. your your zone three? Your zone two? What's your forty five degree? Or we, in my high school we did forty five degrees or, or sorry uh, degrees and angles. Uh, most other DCI lines or DCA lines will use uh, inches, like oh, three inch accent, six inch accent, wow, nine inch accent, twelve inch accent, fourteen inch accent, yeah. But it's easy. So you have like this very uh, specific reference point and then you say, okay, everybody, we're gonna do a 14. All right, oh,
1: two. everyone pretty much looks the same. Yeah. Yeah. Again, w- yeah. click on the video guys, watch it. It's it's amazing. Um, yeah, let's go to number two. So the album is Traveling Without Moving. The release year is 1996. The artist is Jamiroquai and the song choice is Do You Know Where You're Coming From? And the drummer yeah. is Derek McKenzie. So yeah, let's just... Let's just play a little bit of this. see but it's not
0: it's it's not just live drums which is what i thought it was yeah yeah Yeah, i was like how is this happening how is this tambourine happening yeah yeah i was like this is a this is but also i had never even heard of drum and bass i never heard of drum and bass track at all so it's like this is all like i didn't even think that there was a digital especially because it's on this live album by jamiro cry yeah that bass the bass stuff I was like whoa what is this this is the like dun,
1: dun, 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 dun. yeah,
0: yeah like this is definitely funk music but like I feel like I haven't ever I didn't quite ever hear this before yeah
1: yeah somewhere you never ever been before I said well
0: that clap to snare interaction
1: yeah.
0: all the different interactions like all these little yeah. bits of snares are like kind of all talking to each other so the, the thing about that track okay so i heard so my again my buddy my buddy jim who was going to school in Laguardia. Uh, he was—he had privy to like all oh, this really, really, really cool music, uh, which was jamaicai before this album came out. I think even like some years before that, like there was the—the the, was the album *Emergency on Planet Earth*. So he remembered he he would come back from uh, Laguardia, you know, and be like, "Raj, I got to show you this, dude. It's called Jamiroquai." I'm like, "What, Jamiroquai?" And he <laughs> yeah. plays, and, and I'm like, "Dude, because we were like so about funk music, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Primus, you know, that was like our stuff." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was like, "Wow, listen to this. This is is voice, everything." I was like, "This is the band. Holy cow!" So anyway, so got that album, and yeah, uh, completely obsessed. Traveling without moving. And then get to the last track and i'm like what is this, this is cra- and the drummer's playing this i'm not sure if i could play it should i try how is he playing it I was like maybe i should use brushes or something like what is that how's he how's how is that happening and then it turns out and i didn't even know what drum and bass was or jungle or i didn't i was just like oh this is this is funk music this is another type of it okay mm-hmm. um so it turns out that that track is not a live track it's actually a drum and bass track produced by this producer M Beat, featuring Jamiroquai. Mm. and yeah. So all that stuff that that tambourines, which are now I know are like classic jungle elements, you know, like looped, you know, sampled yeah. from old James Brown records. Like that's that's what was going on. So that, that was my first like taste of drum and bass without even knowing what it was, which was again such such a coincidence. Just being into you know. Like, it just landed on me, which is so cool. Is he still making music? Uh, is he still uh, alive? I think he is. It's, I mean, the band is completely, I mean, the bassist isn't in the band. I think that the, the keyboardist, like, passed away some years ago. Mm. Uh, it's a completely different energy. I mean, it's cool, um, yeah, but it's way more digital. Okay. This whole period sounds like, they sound like classic records from the 70s. Yeah. Like, they're like, it's like super warm and the way they're playing and just like, that sense of respect for the form like mm-hmm.
1: funk you know
0: you could re- it's really palpable it wasn't
1: no no flash at all all right number three the album is hard normal daddy same release year as uh, traveling without moving but this is square pusher in 96 and the song is uh, rustic raver here we go I mean, this track
0: is from the future it's still from the future the melodies that he's i mean the layering the phrase i mean just never never quite happened ever again by anyone including himself yeah, wow yeah this whole album is p- absolute pinnacle
1: Do you know the process of how people, this might be a dumb question, but how they make something like that? I don't know. Is it random? Does he slow it down and he does it and then he speeds it back up? Like, how do you? It's a lot of people. I mean, Squarepusher kind of keeps it a secret. I mean,
0: there's some videos of, like, uh, him in his studio and sort of how he does stuff. And he kind of, like, gives, like, a very uh brief, intentionally brief kind of explanation on how he does it. Yeah, you know, I have this drum machine and he just hit some buttons and sure, yeah. As know, he, he does, does, it, I does guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of part of the thing, like with a lot of some electronic producers, not everybody. A lot of people, you know, they'll have like whatever master classes or, you know, you could really see their process. Uh, but yeah, I mean he's a he's a bassist. He's like this virtuoso fretless bassist. Mm. So I think he I think he started out just kind of programming beats on just a drum machine, like a simple like whatever, like an 808 or like a 909 uh just so he could play along to um i don't know how his method changed since that maybe i it sounds like he would just kind of tap in stuff slow and then speed it up it seems like kind of like the obvious approach there yeah uh but i think a lot of it was live playing there wasn't there weren't any computer screens that he's sitting with a mouse Yeah. yeah i don't i don't think that was happening yeah
1: Cause yeah, it's I mean, and there were those like triplets at at the, at the very beginning and stuff. He's very yeah, rhythmic, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, very rhythm focused. But yeah, I mean, to say square pushers rhythm focus is the most generic way to say that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I think he he likes yeah. rhythm. He's um, he's totally into it. So where were you yeah. when this record came into your life?
0: Okay, so I just got to college, uh, NYU, 1997. Uh, I am now like kind of really, really into electronic music. Uh, specifically drum and bass, right? So uh, since uh, the last track, which was uh, Traveling... Uh, do You Know Where You're Coming From? Uh, I, had, I found... I, you know, I got the bug. So LTG log- uh, LTGA, Logical Progression Volume 1, Everything But The Girl, Before Today, uh, Spring Heeled Jack, 98, 98 Million Shades, this Renegade Hardware compilation, uh, which is still like... Uh, th- these were like... I was so lucky to be around, to have these records as like my introduction. It was like, whoa, I'm just really, really, really lucky. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so was super, super into drum and bass. And then my friend had uh, uh, an issue of Herb, Herb Magazine. Uh, and it had, you know, their top 10 lists of all the genres. And uh, one of them was like best top 10 drum and bass albums of all time or whatever, mm-hmm. maybe that year or something. Yeah. And number two, number two was uh, this, this record, Hard Normal Daddy. Uh, and I was like, yes, wow. And then I remember going to the, the, uh, you know, I like, yes, wow, I need to get this record. Uh, okay. And then I go to um, other music, this record store that was uh, in the village at the time. It was kind of the place for underground music. Uh, the coolest, coolest stuff. And everyone working there it was like the coolest. They knew everything. It was like, it was really a, like this kind of mecca for all the heads. Anyway, so yeah, I would go through the, uh, go through their, um, the electronic bin, and then they had that CD and it was $27 because it was an import. And I was like, "Ah, oh, man, I'm a student. But you know what? My, my, my mom gave me this credit card, so I think I'm going to just... This is for my education. This is for the... It you know, really I, is, yeah. You know, it really was. Uh, so, yeah, I just got it. And then I listened to the record and I was like, whoa, this isn't drum and bass. What is this? I don't even know what this is. It sounds like drum corps music, really, you know? And it sounds like digital drum corps music, which is... Awesome! It's not quite what I signed up for, but yeah, I memorized almost like every lick on that entire that entire album. Uh, and then yeah, I mean, without and if I kind of already said it, right? Instantly, I heard this instant connection between right rudimental drumming and electronic music. I was like, oh, this is this is this is drum core. This is literally our drum core patterns. You know, chime modulations, open rolls. You know, accents. You know, it, tap rolls. Yeah, it was oh, I mean, once I get a, a midi controller where I have a midi drum pad, oh man, I'm just going to be able to play this. I don't know when that's going to happen. <laughs> which didn't happen until like maybe I think another 15 years later if not oh, like wow. even longer, yeah. Um, but yeah, that bridged that gap and just showed me that, you know, the incredible possibilities with this music. Like
1: wow. Um, all right. So number four, the album is Future to Future. The release year is 2001. The artist is Mr. Herbie Hancock, and the song is The Essence and Kersh Kale. Right. That's clearly like a, a program beat. Yeah.
0: just like his his restraint it's like you can tell he knows the coolest thing is exactly what that ghost note phrase is yeah like that's actually what that whole beat is about
1: Yep. yep Is there a name for that for that little back and forth single stroke? Uh, uh before I don't know. People kind of just call it a snare skip.
0: Okay. We're doing snare skips. I don't know if that's an actual official term. that record was so when did that come around I think around like 2000 2001
1: uh yeah I think it's it says that song was 2002 but on uh, Spotify it was 2001 I don't know yeah, yeah around I think, that I think
0: time, it's yeah. I think it's I was still in college at that point um and at this point I was so like 97 I'm into drum and bass and electronic music like full on and now I don't even know if I need to even play the drums because listen to all this amazing music that's just all digitally created mm-hmm. um And then slowly I kind of started, I got a, a, you know, I brought my kick and my snare and like a hi-hat and that was it into my college room. And I finally started like playing again. Mm -hmm. I was like, let me play along to records. And it kind of got a sense of if I was to play, because there was no live drum and bass drummer that I could listen to. Yeah. Like there was nobody, you know, it was just electronic. How would I do it? You know, so started doing whatever kind of approach, you know, kind of Linear beats and stuff like that, like inverted paradiddle, you know, paradiddle variation, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, there was I was like, is there anybody who's doing this? You know, like, is there any person I could hear? And yeah, I kind of heard of Jojo Mayer. You know, I never really got to see him live uh, at that point there was like again jojo didn't have any recordings you know but people were talking about it. i think there was like some video of like maybe like some uh i think drummer's world was a website at the time mm. and then they had uh maybe some clips of him doing like the single-handed stuff and like i got kind of got a sense of that um but yeah there was again no live recordings so then i finally have this recording uh you know herbie hancock uh you know and kersh Kale is playing on it i'm like who's Kirsch Kale? what is this and then uh yeah just hearing this hearing like the steadiness and like the sense of uh kind of reverence for like what what the groove is cuz like in drum and bass it's like th- the groove is really like what's on a pedestal the groove meaning like okay there's an accent over here over here and then occasionally it's going to do this one specific kind of change you know and like all of those specific ideas are kind of like on this pedestal so it's like the first time hearing a drummer like kind of you know playing with that reverence you know and and it's not about you know a bunch of notes you know like a bunch of like you know fill in the gap you know you want to as dense a dense phrase as possible no it's just about the timing of everything and where the syncopations are and just you know really getting that sense of simplicity which kind of give got me a sense of
1: you know how i can approach it a little bit all right so uh well the next artist is is from kirsch so in the release year was who knows but the song choice is um so, ugh, i'm not even going to try and pronounce this can you can you describe it can you uh, <laughs> say sa- this? Sa- sajana,
0: yeah, sajana. Yeah. that's uh kirsch playing double up so bad. so that recording so i had already seen jojo finally you know uh but the recording let's just talk about the recording yeah i don't think i really met Kirsch yet at that point or we did but we were kind of like acquaintances uh so he was um a dj for actually he was a tj for this uh off broadway show for our our friend ajay naidu who actually (laughs) was the guy in um uh, the indian guy in office space uh, oh, okay. So yeah, he, he was like a friend of ours. So he he had this off Broadway show, which was this kind of one man uh, uh, live act called Dar- Darwaza. So my friend Atul, who went by DJ Zakam, he was uh, DJing for that uh, for that show, uh, like you know before in between acts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So he made this compilation disc, and he let me borrow it. So on that compilation disc uh, was this this live rendition of Sajana, which is a Krishkali track with Jojo Mayer, which was very rare, like a recording of Jojo, oh my God. So Kirsch and Jojo were doing a lot of uh, gigs together during that kind of period. I think they played at Shine. I think it was kind of part of the Prohibited Beats a little bit, mm. that kind of earlier, kind of the live uh, d and movement that uh, Jojo started. Um, but whatever it was, so now I have this recording and I could just listen to it and learn these licks. And because because if I could just learn these rudiments, I can basically kind of do pretty much any accent pattern right mm. so that was the, that was what this record uh served it was really like the foundational rudimental uh book for me which wow. i still use today yeah that was that was that recording which never came out which was the only i had to ask my buddy again because i used to have the cd and then like that cd got completely destroyed I, at that point i finally like internalized all like these beats and whatever but still yeah. i want to hear this recording uh, then I hit him up actually over the pandemic. I was like, man, do you have that? Do you have that live Sashana? Cause like, I, and I, to this day, I think that is, that is my favorite uh, Jojo Mayer recording because of just how pure it is. It's kind of like before this, I don't know. I feel like a lot of like the more uh, later Jojo stuff, there's all kind of like a lot of the drum set stuff, you know, like Tom movements and stuff, which are like really cool. But this was truly like a jungle rendition which is just snare, hats, kick, some ride stuff. I think he does maybe one floor tom fill. Mm. Um, But yeah, that strictness and reverence, again, I use that word, right? Like both of these recordings had like that reverence to what makes drum and bass cool. So yeah, that record, I wouldn't be the drummer. I wouldn't be playing this stuff if I didn't have that record. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, that's your five. Um, I do want to give you the opportunity to to talk about like where can people find you? Where can they find out what you're doing uh see you live all that jazz what's what's the best resource
0: uh i mean to be honest instagram is really really like the best resource it's kind of like my kind of hub for like all those kinds of things like so i have like a link tree in there so my instagram's currency audio Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah uh, instagram is definitely the spot and then i have like a link tree and i'll post in my bio like any new events that are coming up i'm playing it nowadays which is a kind of a dream it's kind of like my favorite sound system uh in new york uh one of my favorite in the world that i've ever listened to uh so i'm playing there on this tuesday uh july 12th so yeah check that out and then i'm playing a gig uh in detroit on the 23rd with Krish Kale, actually Mm. um that's at the i forget what the name of that festival is that is uh what it, Concert of Colors, I believe it's called. I think Amp Fiddler's also on that bill. Some cool acts. Oh, cool. Um, and then I'm playing with Jonathan Marin, uh, who's a dear friend of mine, who I also only know because, uh, through Kirsch Collar and playing gigs with Kirsch. Wow. Uh, so yeah, Jonathan Marin was the bassist of our groove. Uh, yeah, the, the bassist of groove collective. Uh, one of my favorite bands, you know, back when I was in uh, college, you know, coming off Jamiroquai and really into funk music. So yeah, I've been playing with him for a while. So we're doing a gig in Stowe, Vermont i believe on august 6th august 6th and august 7th okay um and that is uh i forget the the entire lineup we got ben stevers playing keys uh mike maz who's a trumpet player from uh, skinny puppy playing mm. on that and then i forget who the 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 fourth guy is uh yeah i forget he, we we um this is kind of a reunion but he uh he's kind of joining us for this one uh, but, yeah, that's at Stovermont, which is gonna be at Alchemist brewery if you if anyone's into beer, if you know about that brewery, that's like a and uh, oft coveted They're the home of the Heady topper, which uh, used to be Well, right that was like the number one beer in the world or something like that. They used to have armed guards in front of this place to like make sure people are yeah, it was like more <laughs> valuable than gold or some craziness like but, uh, yeah, hey yeah man. just check out my Instagram and yeah, that's where I post stuff dude again, thank you, thank you, a million for having me on this this. Thanks for having Brad Answers. (laughs) All right, cool. All right, man, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye.
1: And that's the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, so it'll get bigger and better, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for BigFatSnareDrum and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX audio editor. It's amazing. So go check that out at isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye.